Hello and guten tag, Pew Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Post Game Show, talking about a Buccaneers victory in Munich, Germany. That's right, the Bucks defeated the Seattle Seahawks 21 to 16 over in Germany to improve to five and five on the season and get a game ahead of the Atlanta Falcons for first place in the NFC South. We are going to break down everything from that game that had a lot of good, a little bad, but a lot more positives than negatives, and that's a lot more than what we could say in recent weeks for the Bucs. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Join with me, co-host, the face that replaced pewterreport.com. It is SR Scott Reynolds. And Scott, it's great to start off the day with the victory, you know, the one o'clock games just started kicking off. Yeah. Bucks already won. You don't want to worry about that. <laughs> Guten Tag, Matthias. Yes. Guten Tag. Uh, um, uh, uh, Pewter people. We love you. And uh, it, it was. Dick too. <laughs> yeah. It, it was, it was a, a fun game to watch, especially the way it started, right? We were used to the Buccaneers uh, with the slow starts. They actually came out oh, guns a blazing. Yeah. And, and and not just in the passing game, the running game. They had more rushing yards at halftime than they've averaged for the entire season, which is 61 yards per game. So uh, they finished with over 100 yards rushing, thanks in large part to Rashad White with his first 100-yard game, 105 yards to be exact, and, uh, and just some big-time runs. Matt, today was a day of firsts. The Buccaneers and Seahawks were the first teams to play in Germany. The Buccaneers were the first team to win in Germany. And the Buccaneers were one of the last teams to have a run of 20 yards or longer until today. And Rashad White took care of that with a big 29-yard run earlier in the game and then closed it out with another big run as well. But uh, smart, heady play by Rashad White. We've seen it. We we did at Peter Report, we, we did the, the Bucs training camp diary. Matt, you and I had a chance to interview him. Yeah. And and this kid is wise beyond his years. The maturity, you could see it when they installed him as the personal protector on punts. That, that, that's, a, that's a key leadership position for a rookie. And you see the maturity after the big run to slide and get down and keep that clock going, not trying to be greedy and go for a touchdown and get pushed out of bounds and have a, a stoppage of, of the, the clock. Just a great game. And I, I'll tell you what, I, th- I think this was a whiteout. The two players that really, really yeah. stepped up today, Rashad White and Devin White on offense and defense. Devin White was the playmaker we've we've wanted to see since week two. Two sacks, a forced fumble, led the Bucks with nine tackles. Um, absolutely thinking of him and praying for him, uh, the loss yeah. of his father. So such a sad and tragic um, uh, event. But but man, he came through with a big game. He was kind of. You know, he he was like the the ying to Rashad White's yang. I mean, those those white uh, kids, no relation, but man, they they were they were balling out today. It was a great game for everyone that had the last name White that played for the Buccaneers. Yeah. And like you said, huge kudos to to Devin White. Um, obviously, playing with the heavy haul, and again, our he stepped huge. Now, there's been a lot of Chris criticism about Devin White. A lot from pewterreport.com. Yeah. And, you know, we'll call him out when he was bad, but we called him out when he was great, too. And he was great today, making impact plays, showing yeah. hustle, two sacks in the game. And to get back to your point about uh, Rashad White, I mean, from the beginning, I think I said it this week. I was like, please, can the Bucks just play with a lead that's more than one possession? <laughs> and we had that. And 
for Rashad White, you mentioned doing the um, the training camp diary with him. You, you learn right away talking with him. His personality is kind of a lot like the way that he plays football. There's a smoothness to the to him. You mentioned maturity. There's a maturity there, but there's also a a, a calm but and confident, but not cocky, but a confidence to him of like, hey, right. I got this. It's all good. I got this. And you, you saw that fully on display today. That was one of the first big things that we saw was the game started. Hey, Rashad White's in the backfield. Rashad yep. White is going to get it going. And, you know, it, it really paid off. Obviously, Leonard Fournette got hurt later in the game with the hip injury and missed uh, a fair amount of the second half. But that was still Rashad White's game even before Lenny left the game. Rashad had, what, 22 rushing attempts for 105 yards, as you mentioned, his first ever 100-yard game, first of many, as you tweeted out as well. And on way, I think it helped the Bucks overall because when Lenny was in the game, you know, like NFL Network and, and Good Morning Football, they have that that segment, Angry Runs. And Rashad yeah. White had the angriest run of the day with that nasty, nasty stiff arm, yeah. which is awesome. But Leonard Fournette, to his credit, ran angry too. Probably angry for the fact that, you know, he's really having to split his uh, his playing time and, and rushing attempts. But when Leonard was in there, he was running fast and furious, probably because he's fighting for, you know, a, a job opportunity now with the Bucs. I love the combo that they had there. We've been calling for 50 50. Uh, playing time for Rashad and Leonard Fournette. We essentially got that in this game until Leonard Fournette left the game. And it paid huge dividends for the Bucs. This is the first time in a long time that they played a complete football game and complimentary football for the most yeah. part. We didn't see those long stagnant three and outs. They were here and there. Right. That second half when Seattle started getting back into the game, I was like, oh, no, yep. they're going to run the ball. It's going to be crappy. And they're going to get into third and long, and, and they're just going to stall out. But, no, Brady hits Chris Godwin down the field for a first keep the move. They kept the ball going moving forward the whole time it was a very nice complimentary game but it started with the whites as you mentioned Devin White and Rashad White truly doing their thing yeah and you know what Matt I I, we're going to bring on Josh Capo in just a second for his analysis he's going to join our our Pewter Report post-game coverage here on the Pewter Report podcast sponsored by Celsius the official energy drink of Pewter Report but Matt it just looked like today for whatever reason, that Tom Brady pep talk, should we should we call it a pep talk? Right. Yeah. Maybe it was the Levante David uh, team meeting after, you know, the, the Ravens game. Um, the leadership on this team has stepped up and we saw this team come out almost like these like these guys were just energized by Celsius today. Right, Matt? You are absolutely right. The Bucks had a little extra pep in their step. Maybe it was for some of the Washington players because Washington had a big win over Oregon. Uh, last night, but nonetheless, it looked like all the Bucks players had a Celsius before they set foot on the field at Bayern Munich uh, today. Celsius, of course, the presenting sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast. We love them for so many different reasons, starting off with the variety of flavors that they have. As you see on the screen here, they have the Arctic peach and tropical vibes, but the flavors go way further than that. You can also get a sparkling orange pomegranate, which is what I was drinking on the show today with the Pewter Game Day show with Josh Capo. Uh, you also have the sparkling watermelon. They got a cola flavor, a Fuji apple pear, uh, peach mango, sparkling wild berry. So a ton of great different flavors, seven essential vitamins. There's none of that post-energy drink crash 
or uh, you know, the, getting the jitters from from all that sugar. That's not the case with these drinks. It's the healthy version of an energy drink. So if you want to try one out, that's great. Go to the store locator at Celsius.com. Find out where you can get one near you. Uh, different convenience stores, Walmart, Target, or as I like to say, your bodega. Get bodega. one over there. And if you know already, hey, I love Celsius. I need more. I want more. That's great. Go to Amazon, do the subscribe and save, have it sent to your house or apartment every one, two, three weeks, whatever it is. I just rattled off a lot of great flavors. So next, I'm going to recommend getting the variety pack because variety is the spice of life. You can have so many great different flavors of the Celsius Energy Drink, the official sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast, hashtag Celsius Lip Fit, hashtag Celsius Energy Drinks. And now we will bring on our fellow colleague at pewterreport.com, my co-host from the Pewter Game Day show today, Josh Capo. Josh, welcome back, my man. And uh, how are you feeling after seeing the Bucks win? Uh, maybe not necessarily convincingly because it was a close score, but just seeing like way better football from the Bucs than we've seen in probably, what, a month and a half, maybe two months? Yeah, I think as a longtime Bucks fan, uh, I love to see it. As an analyst for Pewter Report, I definitely love to see it because it's easier to write about when they win and it's easier to take fan commentary when they win than, uh, than when they lose. So I'm feeling very good after that. And, and especially after doing the, the game day podcast with you, Matt, it's always a blast. You know, the one thing too, Josh and Matt is, is we can't overstate this enough back-to-back wins and the Bucks had the luxury, not, not that it matters because they're focused on beating the Seahawks. They're focused on themselves and getting better as a team. But the fact that that Falcons, uh, win, uh, uh, or I should say, lost to the, the Panthers on Thursday. Uh, this gives the Buccaneers a, a the sole possession of the NFC South yeah. lead, a five and five record, a key win possibly in the NFC if if this comes down to playoff positioning, and and then you, you get a nice plane ride home, hopefully full of alcohol, as Tom yep. Brady said <laughs> after the game. Probably going to pick up some some German beer to take on the plane just to make sure. But uh, but now you have that that bye week. Now you have that week to recharge, refresh. Everyone's in a good mood. You're feeling good. You've got some momentum. Players are getting healthier. We saw the best of Chris Godwin today. We saw the best of yep. Julio Jones today uh, since week one. So uh, the arrow is pointing up for the Buccaneers. This was last week was was a much needed win. This was a a big win, just a, a big big win because of the momentum it can give this team. Ruling the South, heading into the bye week, guys. Especially with uh, them having that win over Atlanta, it effectively puts them two games up on Atlanta yeah. right now. So because they got the tiebreaker, yeah, yeah. And you had mentioned the German beer. Um, I can't confirm or deny this, but I think they had some Pirate Republic on the plane already <laughs> for the ride back. So just, just might, putting that out there. They might. Um, it, it, I was going to say too, when you look at at, at this game. Uh, Tom, if you can see this picture, this is crazy. This is the stadium right after the game. Obviously, Tom Brady, Nelson Luis there, the, the vice president. I like I say, nice picture of Nelson. Looks yeah, Nelson right there next to Tom. The entire stadium is still full. No one is going to their cars. No one's leaving early. Everyone is still in their seats. And that's one thing Tom Brady remarked about after the game was the fact that that what an atmosphere this was for football, right? And he's played a couple games in Wembley. He played in, in Stadium Azteca in Mexico. 
great environments. But he said, this one is right up there with all of them. And the German fans today singing Sweet Caroline, Country Roads at the end of the game. That was pretty remarkable for an overseas European crowd to uh, really kind of embrace American football the way they did. It was a great crowd today. Yeah. High energy from start to finish. This was kind of a playoff atmosphere for the Buccaneers, right? Because this this was the best team they've faced so far record-wise outside of Kansas City. Certainly the best team in the NFC. And the interesting thing for the Seahawks, they've lost four games now, three of which were to NFC South teams. They've lost to the yeah. Saints, Falcons, <laughs> and now the Buccaneers. Yeah, I was going to say, let's not overlook the fact that the Bucs beat a really good team today that was essentially – uh, in a neutral site game. I know the Bucs are technically the home team, but we are over in Germany. The, the crowd's making noise for both teams. And what about home field advantage? I appreciate the stadium playing, you know, a lot of uh, American hits, but you can't play country roads when one of the team's starting quarterbacks played at West Virginia. You want to talk true. about, you want to talk <laughs> about home field advantage. That's not, yeah. that's not well, fair to the Bucs there, but yeah, for whatever reason, the, uh, the, the Seahawks just can't beat the NFC South. I thought it was noteworthy though, Matt. After they played Country Roads, the the song that I heard on on kind of when they were their uh, post game, which I think is fitting for the Bucks in terms of where they were two weeks ago, was "Don't Stop Believing." Yeah, yeah. by Journey. Yeah. So I mean, I think that that was at least fitting for them going out. But I I completely agree with you in terms of it basically being a a neutral site game during the game. But I yeah. I thought that that was a very fitting kind of outro. Don't stop believing now that the Bucks have rattled off the two wins and got back to 500. Yep. Um, we appreciate that super chat earlier from Leah. Always, always appreciate your support, Leah. Yeah. Thank you. Eric Cullison, 499 super chat. I don't think we should be surprised that once Brady had his paperwork signed, meaning the divorce, that the Bucks have looked better, more engaged, and more energy. And you know what? Again, I think that, that Brady's message that was reported in the media from his Let's Go podcast really hit home. Sometimes – you can say things internally, right? And, and teams, players, coaches are always famous for, we don't listen to the outside noise. You know, yeah. all that matters is what's in this building. That's a bunch of BS. I can tell you that for a fact. The players are on social media. They do read the news. They do listen to what people are saying, uh, whether it's an Instagram video form like Warren Sapp, whether it's stories on Pewter Report, The Times, whether it's on WDAE. Uh, the, the radio station that we are the official uh, partner of, they're listening. They're engaged. And, and why wouldn't they be? If somebody wrote a story about you, wouldn't you want to read it? If somebody was talking bad about you, wouldn't you want to know who said what, right? These players understand that. And certainly it's not just Warren Sapp saying something or Peter Report saying something. When Tom Brady yeah. says something, and I wrote about this too, in terms of what the Buccaneers needed to do. And, and Tom probably didn't read my stuff, nor does he have to. He, he he knows what to do. He stepped up his leadership by making those comments because you can you can say all of the things. we got to coach you better. we got to execute better. That's what Todd Bowles has said, Byron Leftwich has said, even Tom Brady said in press conferences. But when you question somebody's effort, when you question your teammates' effort, that's personal. And this team took it personally. And they rallied last week for a big win, playing a, a, a good game against a, a Rams team they needed to beat. And guys, they played a great game today on both sides of the I, ball. Even though Seattle came back, they played a great game. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I'll stick with the offense and then we could talk a little bit about the defense. But one that shows one thing that, you know, people like to get on the media's case. Oh, hey, you're out to get this person, whatever. But it shows media still matters where Brady's pretty much at the point of, hey, I've said all I need to said. You're still not getting it. So now I'm going to absolutely go public with it. And you talk about the offensive line. You know, you wrote in your in your SR Fat five that you believe that one of the guys Brady was really talking about was Donovan Smith. And ipso facto the entire offensive line the offensive line closed that game with the great blocking that sprung Rashad White to get those last couple first downs that they absolutely needed and I don't necessarily think Brady was calling out these two guys in particular but Chris Godwin stepped up with an awesome game he really did and Julio Jones looked like Julio Jones from week one. Yep. They were both spielmachers in this game which as (laughs) I learned today are playmakers they were spielmachers in this game, I mean, Julio granted his touchdown was, you know, he was wide open. There was there was a busted coverage, but you know, had a very solid game. Three receptions for 50 plus yards and a touchdown. His second touchdown, uh, first ever touchdown in a regular season game in Germany. And Chris Godwin, he gets his first touchdown of the season. And more importantly than that, I was so impressed with the play that he made going down the sideline and Brady threw it to him and Godwin got up, yep. snatched it away from, uh, who was it? Uh, Tariq. Well, and, uh, yeah. and just a fantastic bo- job by, by Chris Godwin today. I'm not saying he's all the way back to regular form, but this was a right. great step in the right direction. We, the bucks have needed other options outside of Mike Evans and yeah. they got it from Julio today. They got an extra boost from Chris Godwin. And, you know, Scotty Miller, He's got to stop jumping when yeah. the ball gets thrown to him. But hey, he had a crucial he had a crucial third down reception with the corner tight on him in coverage, and he made that big play down the field. Even though it should have been a touchdown, they ended up scoring anyway. So yeah, Josh Scotty Miller slowly but surely. I agree, Josh. You know, last week the Buccaneers had what eighty plus plays on offense. Yep, and they had one play over twenty yards. That was a twenty eight yard. Catch and run by Kate Otten. Okay. Today, 29-yard catch by Mike Evans, a 31-yard touchdown by Julio Jones, a 25-yard catch by Kate Otten, a 22-yard catch by Scotty Miller. We're going to round up for Chris Godwin, his 19-yarder. We're going to call it a 20-yarder just because he scored a touchdown today. Then he had a 29-yard run by Rashad White. The Buccaneers, one of the last teams, or maybe even yeah, maybe even the last team in the NFL to finally have a rush over 20 yards. But uh, it was just, uh, you know, a fantastic showing. And and you know what? And, and Matt, you've written about it this week. Which number three wide receiver was going to step up in today's game? And I think that they had wide receivers three and four step up, right? You have Chris Godwin, six catches, 71 yards. Mike Evans, five catches, 54 yards. Julio Jones, three catches, 53 yards. Kate Otten, three catches, 35 yards. Scotty Miller, two catches, 25 yards, including that big 22-yarder. There was was just a lot of contributors that were making big plays in the passing game for the Buccaneers. And when Leonard Fournette went out with the hit pointer, Josh, Keyshawn Vaughn, sneak, had a nice 11-yard catch and run to pick up a key first down. Yeah, I would say the the theme overall for the, the team on the field was execution, which is something that the Bucks have been talking about for, it seems like the entire season, right? We've got to execute better. Brady said it, 
Leftwich has said it, Bowles has said it, and you saw the players on the field absolutely did it. Um, the offensive line played out of their minds. Uh, Leonard Fournette ended up with over four yards per carry. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we've talked to, about Rashad White really stepping kind of into what we think is that running back one role. And the playmakers, they caught most of the passes that were thrown their way today, which was important because the Bucks yeah. were in a lot of third and long situations, which will go kind of to, I'm going to toot our horn over at Pewter Report here. We've kind of called for five things to help this Bucks offense, right? Yep. We've, we've said Kate Auten needs to be tight end one. He he made some big catches as tight end one. Rashad White needs to get more carries. Matt, you talked about it just a few minutes ago. And and him is a bigger part of the offense. He, he responded positively. Nick Leverett to be the left guard. He was yep. part of a huge offensive line. The last two we've talked about was, yes, the execution, especially from players like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and that wide receiver three and four. They stepped up today. And you saw a big difference. The last one, I'll say they went, the Bucks went four for five. Um, I, I still have an issue with the Bucks uh, play calling, specifically on first downs. Um, the Bucks, I, I believe I charted it, 24 runs today on first down for 102 yards. You take out the two big ones. And a lot of people ask, why do you take out the two big ones? Well, because I'm more of a median over average guy. You take out those two, and they had 22 runs for something like 54 yards, which was like 2.4 yards per carry. The Bucks lived in second and seven or yep. more. They were able to overcome that today. You can't expect them to overcome that on a consistent basis going forward. Now, I will say the second and third down play calling overall was a hell of a lot better. I will give Byron Leftwich a credit for something that he did that I typically wouldn't call for, but on second and long, he called a lot of runs and he must have seen something in Seattle's defense because they hit on those second and long runs quite a mm-hmm. bit and put themselves into much better positions. And Josh, they, and didn't they didn't throw screen passes to the perimeter this game. No, they, no they, they threw to the quarterback. That's <laughs> that was on yeah. first down. That goes back to the first down yep. uh, uh, struggles in yep. terms of play calling. Yeah. So, but four out of the five things that we've called for, they went with. And you saw a much better offense overall that could have put up 27 to 30 points. Let's not forget the Lenny interception happened down in Seattle zone. And yeah. Ryan Suckup did miss. It's crazy to say out loud. Yeah. The, <laughs> the interception, interception by Leonard Fournette. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny. J.C. Allen said you shouldn't take the ball out of the goat's hand and put it in the running backs. Uh, and I said, well, technically the running back was trying to throw it to the goat. So wouldn't you say they were doing exactly what you wanted? Yeah. So, um, so just a lot of stuff that went better, and there's still room for improvement there, which is hopeful. Well, see, here's the thing. Wayne uh, Hankinson kind of calling us out a little bit. PR is way too happy about 21 points. Yes, because three touchdowns is better than three field goals. That's what we saw last week. The three field goals necessitated a touchdown with nine seconds left to win the game. The three touchdowns, much better than the three field goals. So, and also, too, when you're averaging 18 points per game, the 21 points exceed your average. So you're at least moving in the right direction, and yeah. at, especially after scoring 16 last week. So um, this team has still got a long way to go. They're 5-5. Five and five. They're, they're still alive in the fight. We'll see what happens after the bye week. Uh, nothing's going to be easy for this team going forward. This was not easy today, despite a good start, because the Seahawks are a good team and they rallied. But again, this Bucks defense deserves a lot of credit too. Again, when when you can hold a team under 17 points in the NFL, especially in this day yeah. and age, you should be able to win the game. And they gave up 13 points last week and 16 points this week. This defense is not 
great, but it's very good. And it finally got a takeaway today. Again, Devin White played an absolutely outstanding game. He deserves all of his props, all of his flowers, all of the praise. And, and he looked like the playmaker that we have called for him to be, that we have seen him be in the past. But it's fair to say Devin White had not had any splash plays, any forced fumbles, no interceptions, no fumble recoveries, no sacks since week two against the Saints. Okay? Today, he looked like that guy that has Pro Bowl caliber ability that is that should be with his talent in the conversation for Defensive Player of the Year. It's just been a consistency thing with Devin White. Hopefully, he can build on the fact that he had a good game against the Rams, a great game against the Seahawks, and if he can maintain this focus and playmaking ability after the bye week, the arrow is pointing up for Devin White and this defense as a result. Without without question. I mean, not only did Devin White have two sacks and, and force that fumble, as you mentioned, but he forced that fumble when Seahawks were in Bucks territory on the way to scoring. So yeah. you want to talk about splash play. That was a splash play on top of a splash play. Yes. <laughs> and what we saw most from Devin White was just the hustle and the effort, which, you know, which we called him out for a couple weeks ago. Right. You know, there was a short pass to Kenneth Walker or a, a pitch to the outside. Bam, Devin White was there. He was body yep. on the spot right there. And the whole defense deserves a ton of credit for yep. shutting down Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker had 17 rushing yards, if I'm not yep. mistaken. And that too, the two-point conversion attempt, breaking that up. Yeah, yeah. Great call, Charlie. He also broke that play up too. But we talked a lot about how, or at least I did, saying I don't think the Bucs run-stopping defense is totally fixed because they did it against the Rams. And I'm not ready to say, like, oh, they're 100%, like, completely back to normal. But, I mean, to do what they did against the Seahawks defense, Scott, you you mentioned all week long about the, the average uh, rushing yeah. attempt for for uh, everyone on the, on the Seahawks yeah. roster, not just Kenneth Walker. But for them to get all of those stops was a tremendous job. I thought Akeem Hicks did a really great job. I thought the secondary in the run game, Carlton Davis was great at setting the edge not allowing the Seahawks to get out to, yeah. to the outside. So overall, and Josh, we talked about this on the podcast or on the on the game day stream. The played how Seahawks were playing all season long. Collective unit, collective effort. Wasn't really just one guy making all the plays. Like Devin obviously was the star. Joe Tryon, Shoyanka, you could put in there as well. But whether it was that on defense or offense, as we talked about with Godwin and Rashad White and, and Julio, it was many guys making plays. They didn't have to rely on just one or two guys, and I think that's why you saw them go hard for four quarters. Sure, there's ups and downs in the game, the Brady interception, but they just kept at it, and that's why they came out with the win. Yeah, I would absolutely agree. I think kind of going back to your point in terms of how the defense played, what I kind of looked at when we were setting up our, um, pre our Peter Report preview and predictions was – Seattle's offense has kind of been a litmus test for defenses this year. If you look at the defenses that have been successful against them overall, it, I mean, there have been a couple that really shut them down. The Broncos in week one held Seattle to just 17 points. Week two, the 49ers held them to seven. And then you look at the rest of the defenses they've played this year, they put up a bunch of points on, for the most part, poor defenses. Yeah. They've averaged 25 against the Cardinals. They put up 48 against the Lions, 27 against, I'm sorry, 23 against the Falcons. 
and the Bucs held them to 16. And so for that litmus test, you say the Bucs are an upper echelon defense. Bucks fans and ourselves who have watched them closely have been able to point out, hey, there are some issues here and there. There are some things that we're concerned about going forward. But by and large, the Bucks defense has been stellar this year uh, from a result standpoint. And that showed up again here against Seattle. The other thing that I think to your point there, Matt, which is incredible, is when we were doing the live show, there wasn't a single player we were kind of isolating as they're just having a bad game. Right. It, it didn't happen at all. There was a bad play here or there, but every player I think played up to their talent level or beyond. And that's where you can see quality play. And yes, the Bucks only put up 21 points on offense, but you know what? I think they only had one three and out outside of the, the first half two minute warnings where yeah. they were down backed up and kind of just playing to, to move the clock along. Um, they moved the ball a ton and they did have an opportunity to put up 27 or more points. And yeah. I'd say overall, the Bucks offense performed well. And you know what? That, that, yeah, I, I was going to say, if if they get a field goal out of that, that drive where, for whatever reason, Byron Lovich decided to call the Leonard Fournette, you're going to throw back to Tom Brady halfback pass. What was it, five or six plays after they got in that formation? Like, you right. set that up in the first quarter, then you come back into it like the start of the fourth quarter, right? You kind of like lull them to sleep. You don't just sit there and and call it the the. the like he got so excited, he's like, "Let's do it yeah, again." <laughs> exactly. And Tariq Woolen was like, "He's a rookie, but he caught on, and obviously he caught the pass. He I, picked I, it off." But I, yeah. it's it's that type of thing that holds this offense back from. I don't want to say greatness, but very goodness, if that's what that's a term, because I don't think this offense can be great. There's not enough weaponry. Um, and stars that they've had in the past. That was a great offense in 2020 and, and 2021. It's a different lineup. There's there's rookies in there. There's some backup players that are starters now. It, it's not going to be a great offense, but it can be very good. Today was good, but it's those type of kind of boneheaded play calls still that that hold this offense back from being very good. Am I wrong? No, you're uh, you're absolutely right. Well. Maybe yeah, I, I would say you're right. And um just the one thing I want to point out, I don't necessarily hate going with like a trick play, but one don't like you don't need to do a trick play with throwing it to Tom Brady. If you want to throw yeah. it to like Mike Evans, sure, I get it. But also they had no issues moving the ball down the field. Like they had converted on a couple of third downs, they were getting into enemy territory so to the point of hey they only scored 21 points well i would also counter that with you had that you know fluke of a crazy play and leonard shouldn't have even thrown it but you had that turnover there and then the last drive to close things out i mean again rashad white went to the ground to kill the clock he probably forced on there gets way further down the field so yeah it was only 21 points but they left about you know 10 to 14 points um, and Ryan Sucker missed field goal as well. Yeah, missed a 52 yard field goal. So that's three um, different drives where they probably pull points out. To I think right. it's an excellent point. Yeah, three different drives. That kind of reminds me of uh, the three different beers that you should be getting at Pirate Republic, the official beer of the Pewter Report podcast. It was good to put the fumble graphic on the Peter game day show. I haven't been able to do that in a couple of weeks with the Bucks finally getting a turnover on defense, but uh pirate public of course is the official beer of pewterreport.com. 
They are based out of the Nassau Bahamas and now invading Florida just in time for football season. Beer brings people together to celebrate life. That means celebrating life in the spirit of the original pirate code, which is a sense of belonging. Pirate Republic is a community of people living life on their terms. The Long John Pilsner, my personal favorite, that's the one in the red, is perfect for tailgating or having fun at the beach in the Florida sun. You also have the Take No Quarter IPA, which is the best IPA that I drink. You not even be a fan of IPA, but you'll like this one. That's the, uh, the one in the green can. You could also, this is uh, last, but certainly not least, you can also drop an orange slice in the golden haze of piracy Belgian with beer and enjoy that pirate life. That, of course, is in the, the gold can. Uh, pirate Public Beer is available at participating retailers like Total Wine and more, Lucan's Liquors, Party Liquors, and select ABC liquor stores. That's where I get my Pirate Public. Uh, all in the greater Tampa Bay area and is expanding across the state of Florida. So live like terms, drink like a pirate with Pirate Republic beer. And Scott, it looked like you were uh, having a, a post-game brew with the Long John Pilsner, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it certainly was. It's empty now. I just drank the last <laughs> bit of it. But, um, you know, this beer is so good that uh, I've got to go on a treasure hunt myself. Uh, during the bye week, I'm taking the family on a cruise out of Miami to nassau bahamas and we're actually going to be going to the pirate republic brewery down there in nassau bahamas where they have more than just the three amazing flavors that they have in tampa uh, because they are invading tampa right now with with these three brews but they've got uh, about six other beers on tap down there some specialty brews that i cannot wait to enjoy and report on so stay tuned to the pewter report twitter feed during the bucks by week i will be tweeting out some pictures and some videos live from the pirate republic headquarters in nassau bahamas yeah very and, very excited about that um and and speaking of pirates about, yeah, go i was ahead. gonna say speaking of pirates you know uh it's been a while since you've you've had a, a chance to use like those those plunder graphics matt because the buccaneers yeah. have not had a a takeaway. We you've showed some of the the sack um, graphics a couple times. Devin Whitehead two. Joe Tryanshenka had one. Uh, the fumble was forced by uh, Devin White, recovered by Anthony Nelson. But uh, the one thing too that the defense did, which was outstanding today, was just showing up on on third downs. The third down conversion percentage was just off the charts for the, the Bucks' offense and defense, and that's really complimentary football. The Bucks were 10 of 15 on third downs. That's a 66.7% conversion rate. On third downs, the Seahawks' offense was stymied by the Bucks' defense. They were only one of nine. That's 11.1% on third downs. And, of course, they had to go to fourth downs to convert both of those, which they did. Geno Smith made some incredible throws, including a touchdown on Sean Murphy bunting. Um, unfortunately, but, but Geno Smith was a hell of a player. I've already seen some, some fans, some pewter people in the chat say, maybe Geno Smith comes to Tampa as a free agent to replace Tom Brady. He made a lot of, uh, fans today, uh, from the pewter people. I think, what do you they think? Are, they reunite Geno Smith and, uh, and Todd Bowles. That'd be, that'd be quite the, the reunion. That would be epic, right? And that would be interesting. Now, my whole thing is, is. Is I, I've, I've covered football for 27 years. I've covered it long enough. You see kind of these one-year wonder guys, right? And and uh, it just all kind of clicks for them a little bit later. And then it just ends up being kind of a one-year wonder. Then you see some guys like uh, Brad Johnson, who kind of blooms later in life. He's a late bloomer. 
in his career, Rich Gannon, who the Bucks faced in the Super Bowl. You know, sometimes when you're in your 30s and you've been around the league and you keep getting your shots, then you finally cash in. And Geno Smith, to his credit's doing that this year. I thought he played pretty well today uh, and, and helped lead the Seahawks' comeback. It just wasn't enough because the Bucks were so good on third down defense. I, I, I liked everything that they had to do. Uh, I, I thought, you know, their defensive line generated great penetration throughout the game, um, whether it was in the passing game or the run game. The Bucks had multiple stops on third and short uh, yeah. in that game, which normally it's the offense not converting on those third and shorts. <laughs> Today it was the defensive line swarming to the ball or at least yeah. getting that penetration and then allowing Levante David, Antoine Winfield Jr., Devin White to get those stops after the play. I thought they got a great push up front. Sure, at times, Gino had time to throw, but, you know, that's going to happen throughout a game. Joe Tryon-Chayenka wouldn't call it a breakout game, but he got a sack early on. He looked really good. Um, didn't yeah. have a ton of tackle games. Did get a sack kind of set the tone for the rest of the team. Akeem Hicks, we talked about how much he's helping get Vivea all these opportunities. I yeah. think that really showed – why and how they were able to stop the Seahawks run game for a majority of the game. Yeah, V didn't get a sack, but you know what? He's not going to get a sack every single game. He's already way ahead of schedule in the sack department than any of us really imagined. But I absolutely loved what I saw from the the defensive line today. The Mm -hmm. linebackers were great. I loved that hit that Levante David had on Kenneth Walker. It was an incomplete play. Uh, He dropped it before Levante even hit him, but he freaking smoked him. him. And then, you know, Jamel was – Jamel Dean, Carlton Davis did a great job. They clearly got in DK Metcalf's head, got that unsportsmanlike yeah. conduct penalty. So, and of course, Antoine Winfield Jr. was back. Uh, this defense can really be a you know a top five defense when they put it all together and just don't get in their own way. Even with Shaq Barrett not available, obviously. Yeah, I think um, what you're saying, lot, Matt, there's a lot to build on for this. I team. think what you're saying, Matt, is is this defense has kind of been rejuvenated. As we age, our hormones decrease, both for men and women. I was tired all the time, had no sex drive. I was groggy. I felt like I was 80 years old because everything hurt. I came to age rejuvenation because I was tired all the time. Bioidentical hormones has really made such an impact in people's lives. I actually enjoy shopping now. Got my, all my energy back. Mind is sharp. I feel like I'm 18 again. It was perfect for me. Get with age rejuvenation. Do it now. Don't wait. Call age rejuvenation today. You know, guys, uh, when I turned 50, I felt like I was a three and five football team. Okay. I just did. I felt sluggish, wasn't executing properly, um, dumb play calling, you know, all of that stuff. And I went to age rejuvenation back in August. And by God, I feel like I'm in first place in the division, just like that. it's it's amazing how quickly the testosterone therapy works. It takes literally about a month to kind of get in your system. Um, I, I feel 10 years younger. It, it it's, it's legitimate. I am not BSing you guys. This is not just some ad read I'm reading. Uh, I would not endorse age rejuvenation if it didn't work. And that's what I told them. I said, we'll, we'll do this partnership, but I need to, because I'm the ideal candidate being 50, I, I've got to, to take part in this. Because I can't, in good conscience, full-throat supported something like this if it doesn't work. And, and it does. And the interesting thing is, is, you know, most men in their 40s, 50s, 60s, et cetera, that's when the testosterone levels just start to decrease. It's nature. It happens. There's really not much you can do about it 
outside of going to age rejuvenation and, and visiting their website, agerejuvenation.com and getting the testosterone therapy uh, because it does work. And, and I do feel I'm sleeping better. I feel like I, I have more energy. Um, I, I'm kicking ass in the gym, which I have not done in years. Um, it, it's great. I've lost weight. I feel better. It, it It's wonderful. It's something I should have done probably around 43, 44, 45 instead of letting this slide. So don't wait. Go to agerejuvenation.com. Set up a free consultation. You've got nothing to lose, guys. Uh, and, and what they're seeing, too, is what they want me to tell you. They're saying now in the, the way that the people's diets uh, and lifestyles are, people in their 30s are really seeing a decrease in their testosterone, too. For whatever reason, the, the testosterone decrease is happening to younger men in this day and age. So if you're feeling like you haven't felt in a long time, you feel like you're on the, the downward spiral, on the decline, Go to agerejuvenation.com, sign up for a free consultation with one of your specialists. They've got five Tampa Bay area locations to serve you. Lose weight, feel great with Age Rejuvenation. Uh, there's one thing I want to talk about that has to do with the box, but it also doesn't at the same time. What the hell was going on with the field today? Everyone was slipping and sliding <laughs> all over. There were more divots on that field than an 18-hole golf course. It was absolutely ridiculous, and the field did Jalen Darden really dirty because he slipped on the first play of the game, and we were all like, oh, he's slipping again. He's slipping again, and then as we found out, everyone was slipping and sliding. So the Bayern Munich field did not, did not yeah. do Jalen Darden any favors, but you know what? That's a pathetic look for the NFL. They've known that they've been doing this Germany game for months, probably over a year. I don't know the exact timeline of when they set all of this up. But you can't have a field like that where players are slipping and sliding from the first play of the game to the last and be like, oh, yeah, we're going to have more games. We're going to have four season or at least once yeah. per year. Like, what was going on there? Is it – we went through like a 10-minute seminar at the Bucks facility the other day where they were like, hey, these are these special glasses they're going to wear perfect melatonin. Right to sleep and it, and it'll get their body clocks right for when they're in Germany. You tell me that the Bucks and the Seahawks just overlooked uh, not having the right cleats for the game. And Josh, you were talking about that the NFL only allows specific cleats and, and things like that that maybe don't work well on this soccer field. Well, then you got to give a one week allowance to get the right cleats <laughs> so guys aren't sliding all over the place. It's an injury thing. And Josh, as we talked mm -hmm. about on the game day stream, players are playing on turf fields. I don't want to slipping, sliding all over the place, playing internationally. That was a pathetic look by the NFL, and they have to get that fixed ASAP because you can't be like, hey, we're spreading the game. We're, we're spreading it into new territories and then have that ugly, disgusting look on the field. I don't know what I'm more disgusted by. Uh, the players falling all over the place here in Germany or the a million pigeons when the Bucs were playing terrible against the Steelers because I have the Steelers game on and there's even more pigeons on the field. I don't oh know what God. was uglier. It makes me want to puke more, but it's just an awful look for the NFL in my opinion. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, you know, we talked about it in terms of the, the turf. Yeah, it, it be, you're, I think both teams are lucky that they came out of this game without any uh, ligament injuries, knees, ankles, things like that from the way that the, the field was giving. Um, and it is something that they're going to have to look at. The, I think the NFL overall is going to have to look at the playing surfaces with which they allow their players to play on. 
not just for you know the players are pushing this as a huge uh, issue on their side, but just from a terms of what the product on the field. Yeah. You don't want your best players going down to injuries like this. It makes yeah. the product worse for the fans, and, and it can hurt your business. And we know the yeah. NFL is a business. They need to look at this as an investment in their best assets, which are the, the players. So you hope that they fix this. I think this isn't the last game in Germany this year. So you hope that they, they do something before the next game. Yeah. Uh, there you <laughs> go. <clogs>. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the field giving saves players from injuries. Uh, there's, there's some truth to that. At the same time, if you go back to, to 2020 in week 16, well, week 17 back then, it was the season finale against the Falcons. Mike Evans had what should have been a touchdown against the yep. Falcons uh, just after he had hit a thousand yards and he slipped on some wet grass and we all were, were gasping because it looked like he tore his ACL. So mm -hmm. sometimes uh, your, your foot getting caught in the turf, right? That can cause that, that torquing and that ligament damage, whether it's an ankle or a knee. And sometimes the grass can do that too. If you slide and it bends a certain way, so I, I agree. I think grass is better than turf. Julio Jones said that, and he knows better than I. But sometimes, not all the time, sometimes the, the wet grass can be an injury-causing issue. Thankfully, it wasn't today for the Buccaneers, although Leonard Fournette had a hip pointer that probably had more to do with landing on the grass hard after being tackled or just getting banged around in between the tackles yeah. on some of those runs. I think it comes down to, to kind of the, how tight the soil and the grass are. You want it to be able to give, but you also want to be able to plant. And they obviously couldn't plant very well uh, throughout the game because you saw multiple players just sliding. And a lot of that goes to the type of grass that's used. And, and again, for soccer pitches, they use more of a, uh, a I believe, a looser grass and soil combination mm -hmm. at, than what the NFL is used to. And again, I think it goes back to the types of cleats that soccer players wear that allow them to to benefit in that position more, but it is something that they have to look at because that was, and again, it goes to the product on the field. Do you really want to watch ice skating when you're coming to watch a football game? Because that's yep. what it was. They were sliding. That's a fact. Well, the Buccaneers slid into first place today with the win. That's, that's the important <laughs> thing, right? They, they, um, you know, they, they're atop the division now. They've got that that tiebreaker advantage over Atlanta. So essentially, like you're right, Josh. It's it's a two game lead because the Falcons lost to the Panthers, uh, and still Carolina's still kind of in this. It's kind of crazy. Like they're, they're not dead yet. I wouldn't bet on Carolina by any means, especially with the Bucks being five and five. But but it certainly helps out. I, I I don't I don't think if you're the Buccaneers, you want the division title coming down to your neck of the woods, Josh, in Atlanta. On week 18, right, January 8th, you don't want that game deciding who wins the NFC South. You want the NFC South decided before then. And this win by the Buccaneers helps. The Falcons' loss on Thursday night also helps. We have a, a, a nice super chat here, Matt. Yeah, thank you to uh, RTWS for the $5 super chat. Uh, they say, tears in my eyes thinking about how much Mark Cook would have loved the crowd singing John Denver yeah. as the Bucks closed out a win. R.I.P. Cookie, the goat. Thank you so much yeah. for that comment That's and for awesome. that super chat. Mark That's would awesome. absolutely love that. He would have loved the fact that they were playing in Germany. For those that yeah. don't know, That's Mark right. was born in Germany. If That's I'm exactly not mistaken. right, and that's where he gets the middle name Johan. So Johann. Was, uh, Mark <laughs> Johan Cook. Uh, That's he was right. born in Germany. Uh, I, I believe his dad was in the military, yep. and uh, so he was born on a military yeah. base. In Germany, so that game would have uh, really been special to him 
uh, playing there uh, for yeah. multiple reasons. One, the John Denver, but more importantly, yeah. born uh, playing where he was born. So I uh, appreciate that comment. Totally I know uh, Mark's watching that game and uh, enjoying oh, yeah. a Bucks win as well. Yep, no doubt. Uh, I think the only thing that Mark would have enjoyed better than Country Road by John Denver would maybe be like Freebird, right? By, yeah, by yeah. <laughs> or something, but but uh, still, I wholeheartedly agree with that comment. That's that's awesome. So, uh, you know, guys, uh, as you kind of round out the show here a little bit, the offensive line, right? It's gotten it's gotten uh, its fair share of criticism throughout the this uh, the season, <clears throat> and today it looked like. You know, the, the running game obviously was was a product of the running backs hitting the holes hard, but also the line creating some holes. I thought Kate Otten uh, blocked his ass off today. I thought yes. the Keefe also had some really good impact blocks, the point of attack. So they've got better play from their offensive line. But Tom Brady, we saw him probably be the most comfortable he's been this entire season, hanging on to the ball longer than he has, waiting for some of those plays to develop down the field. It seems like, guys... Tom Brady is gaining more trust in this offensive line. We saw Donovan Smith play better. Nick Leverett is holding down the fort very well at left guard. The rest of the, of the offense, I think, did a pretty good job today. The line with Robert Hainsey, Shaq Mason, and, of course, Tristan Wirfs. What do you say about Tom Brady hanging in the pocket a little longer, waiting for some of those vertical routes to develop? It seems like that trust in that offensive line is, is rising. Hey, it's no surprise, guys, that – they had all the chunk plays that you rattled off before, Scott. The 25-yarder, the big run by Rashad White, the 19-yarder that we're rounding up the 20 for Chris Godwin. <laughs> it's no surprise that they made all those plays downfield with Brady having time. Huge shout-out to the offensive line. And we talked about that. The Seahawks do everything collectively as a group where there might not be one true star pass rusher. They still get to the quarterback, so they deserve mm -hmm. a ton of credit. This is a great sign moving forward if they can keep this going against you know their opponents that they have coming up in the next couple of weeks. Obviously, the Browns have a great pass rusher with Miles Garrett. That'll be yeah. a huge test. I imagine they'll put him up against uh, Donovan, Donovan Smith, Smith and yeah. against yeah. Uh, Tristan Wirfs. So when you play well against good teams – you hope you can build that momentum, and obviously they have a bye next week. But yeah. the, the fact that Tom Brady was able to move around in the pocket a little bit, didn't have to get rid of it too quickly that much. Um, they're slowly but surely taking steps in the right direction, getting those chunk plays that we've been asking for. And and there was one other thing that, that I noticed, and I didn't mention on the, the game day um, pod, but that showed that Brady was much more comfortable back there. And it was when, when he went to do play action. So mm -hmm. you look earlier in the year with Luke Gedeke there, he was pulling that ball real fast. I mean, it was almost like it wasn't that big of a, a fake because he yeah. wanted to get turned back around so fast because he is expecting somebody yep. to be right in his grill. And today you saw that longer kind of extension of his arms really pushing the fake. And I think that that was another sign of him being much more comfortable back there, not anticipating that as soon as he turned around he was going to have to try and you know avoid danger yeah well and you know what else he avoided he avoided getting sacked no sacks today to that offensive line and the tight ends the, the running backs i saw rashad white had a couple great blitz pickups and, and pass protection so the pass protection was solid today tom brady only got hit once by seattle and not that the seahawks are some great pass rushing team I thought that, that Donovan Smith, who you know, I, I called out in my SRS Fab Five column for 
lack of effort. And, you know, he, Donovan and I talked this week, and he said he was going to play better. He hadn't played good football. This, or I should say he hadn't played uh, you know, really good football. It, it, he, right. he wasn't crapping on himself, and I wasn't crapping on him either. But he said he was going to play better, and he did. Yuchenna Nwusu had seven sacks. He's having kind of a career year. He's not a dominant pass rusher, but, you know, he gets credit for the seven sacks he's had so far. He really was kind of a race today. And I thought the offensive line across the board gave Tom time to throw. He looked relaxed in the pocket. He trusted that offensive line. The offensive line delivered by keeping him clean. Yeah, Seattle had as many quarterback hits as Robert Hainsey. <laughs> <laughs> Almost gave him a concussion. Almost yeah. Concussion. <laughs> That's right. Hey, you don't want Donovan Smith to play like crap, but you might want him game crap and you do that at the seminal hard rock casino in tampa just the way you like it. me and my wife decided we'll have some fun i was playing a two-cent machine six bets in i hit a jackpot one hundred seventeen thousand dollars. hi my name is tara and i want over five hundred thousand dollars playing fly i do this full time and i would not change it for the world i'm gloria i won over two million dollars at seminal hard rock casino i went and bought a bunch of jewelry <laughs> My name is Mike, and I'm one over $350,000. I love playing back rock because it hits different. When you pull in that car and you flip over that nine, beating that eight, can't miss. I'm Jimmy. I won a half million dollars in a slot tournament at Seminole Hard Rock in Tampa. Even a blind squirrel can get a nut sometimes. <laughs> my name is Philip, and I won $215,000 on Blazing Sevens. Putting my last $40 on the table, next thing you know, bam, $215,000 jackpot. I hit that bad boy. I didn't realize how much it would change my life. You only live once. Have fun with it, right? Anybody can win. It's them no hard rock in Tampa. Yeah, and uh, certainly uh, the Bucks have had some some winning returns on some of their rookies. Kate Otten, uh, tight end one, as far as we're concerned, right, fellas? That's that's not. Uh, I'm not making a a bold statement there. Rashad White, running back one. Uh, certainly after today's performance, uh, Nick Leverett, who's not a, a rookie, but um, only has a couple of starts in his in his uh, career, uh, it has to be left guard one going forward. And Jake Camarda. Uh, Best fourth Josh. round draft pick ever in Bulldog. <laughs> there you go. The real punt god, Jake yeah, Armada. Exactly. The uh, yeah, punting I'm, phenom, I think, <laughs> I think we'll go with. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, folks, uh, it, it, it was a great win. Um, we're going to be talking about this more tomorrow on the Pewter Report podcast. Make sure that you are staying tuned to pewterreport.com, which is our website. We appreciate everybody checking out the Pewter Report podcast on our YouTube page, Pewter Report TV. We're almost at 10,000 subscribers. Thanks to you, Pewter people. You're awesome. So we greatly appreciate that. If you're watching this broadcast and you have not Subscribe to Peter Report TV on our YouTube channel. Please do so. Subscribe and go there and like all of our videos. What that does is it increases our likelihood of getting in that algorithm in front of more Buccaneer fans and Peter people for them to enjoy our Peter Report podcasts, our Peter Game Day shows, uh, the the film breakdowns, the All Twenty Two breakdowns that Josh Capo does, the interviews and press clippings that that Matt puts up on our uh, Peter Report TV channel. So like all of those videos, please. It helps us get in, for, get in front of more Buccaneer fans like you guys. And, of course, you can follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Peter Report. And make sure you visit PeterReport.com. As I said, we already have four stories up from today's game. Most impressive, most disappointing, a story on Leonard Fournette. 
in his injury. Plus the game recap, I'll have my two-point conversion story probably later tonight. Make sure that you send us your questions on um, on Twitter for Bucks Monday Mailbag. That's going to be tomorrow morning, and we'll have uh, the answers uh, for a lot of happy Buccaneer fans out there, I think, with this two-game winning streak. You're right, Josh. <laughs> I just got some. Somebody sent me this. Uh, Leonard Fournette tweeted out a picture of him throwing that ball to Brady, and he just captioned it QB2. And somebody <laughs> wrote, <laughs> which it's curious considering the result of that play. Yeah. And then, like, the very first response is RB2. Oh, shit. Whoa. Whoa. Tough one. I mean, I, you're like, he's just trying to have some fun. He's yeah. got to be thinking about that for the long ass yeah, plane he, ride. Damn. He had a decent, like, he had a decent game. I think, again, I think we we're all in agreement that Rashad White's kind of outplaying him at this point. I'm just trying to figure out why would you tweet out that picture given the result? What, what he should have. <laughs> Come yeah. on, guys. What Leonard should have wrote. Leonard, like, what are you doing? <laughs> Doing? You're disrespecting Glenn Gallagher. What, what are you doing? What are you doing throwing it up there? What Leonard should have uh, captioned it as is uh, just say, F it, Tom out there somewhere or something like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Leonard. We love you, Leonard. But uh, we love the touchdown. Love that was that was great. I mean, uh, you know, getting in the end zone. And, you know, it, it was a good one-two punch today between – Leonard Fournette and Rashad White, but Rashad White really stepped up, especially when Leonard was out and really just carried the day today. And, you know, we'll see what that, how that hip injury affects Leonard going forward. He does have the bye week to get rested. It's always better to have multiple options to run the ball. But, but I'll tell you, Rashad White, this was, was his day today. And uh, the, the rookie just came through with, with some massive uh, runs, the stiff arm, a couple of 20 yard plus runs in, in his first 100 yard game. So really happy for the, for the kid from Kansas city who uh, was, was a, you know, a, a Peter report bucks, best bet it was also in our mock draft. And one of the guys that, that we kind of targeted the Buccaneers would, would be high on. And, and I think a great pick by this, this franchise, a great pick by Jason light, who has not done a great job of drafting running backs until Rashad white. He got this one, right. And a friend of the program of Peter That's report right. podcast alumni. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. All right. Uh, that That's going to do it for us today. Remember, uh, we'll have a show again tomorrow at 4 p.m. to uh, further discuss this Bucks win and also just take an outlook at uh, what's ahead for Tampa Bay. They obviously yeah. have the bye week coming up. Josh will also be on Thursday's show as we have a uh, special episode planned for that. Uh, very much looking forward to that one. And, of course, on Monday's show, we'll have Roll Call. Tell that's us right. where you're watching from Pewter People. Um, until then, though, for Scott Reynolds, for Josh Capo, I'm Matt Matera saying thank you, everybody, for watching today's show. We love you guys, and we will see you tomorrow for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Avita Zane, out. Avita Zane, two in a row. Das Box win. Guten Tag. <laughs>